Coastal Carolina University men's head golf coach Jim Guerin is our guest for episode number 30 for the Gimme Golf Podcast powered by MyrtleBeachGolfTrips.com. Find out if another Dustin Johnson is on the horizon. Also, a great conversation with Coach Guerin about the program and the responsibilities as a head golf coach of a Division I program. The Chanticleers are rising in rank. I'm here at Pine Lakes Country Club in History Hall, and joining me is a very special guest, the men's head golf coach, Jim Guerin, joining us from Coastal Carolina University. Uh, coach Guerin, thanks for coming on the show today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always good to sit down and talk with people in the local area and people that do things for our game. Well, I was really excited to run into you a couple weeks ago because Nate, our producer, and I were talking about having you on as a guest. And then I ran into you and we were able to talk a little bit and meet in person instead of on social media because now I think everybody just meets on social media <laughs> first and then you meet face to face. So I'm glad that worked out. It was meant to be uh, that you're here today, but I know you're probably tired because you've been busy this last week. You've had a tournament. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we just finished up uh, the General Hackler Championship yesterday. So for me, that's a long couple of weeks it's a long year I mean we're already starting the process for next year today and we're sending out invitations starting probably the end of this week so when the tournament time finally gets here that's a long stressful couple of weeks um, three rounds of competition this year practice round was on Saturday so from Friday about lunchtime until last night at six I was pretty much parked at the Dunes Club so it's been a been a long few days well how did you guys finish uh, we finished fifth this year um, solid field probably nine or ten NCAA postseason teams so to get some good head-to-head -head wins was awesome. That's great. Tell us a little bit about your team this year, uh, some of your uh, better players right now that are playing, how are they scoring and just what does uh, this year and maybe next year look like for Coastal? So this is a COVID year and spring sports of collegiate athletics so we were actually able to get Zach, Taylor, and State Sport back for an extra year. Um, what that means from a competitive standpoint with every spring sport whether it's us, baseball, tennis, whoever, college athletics is loaded this year because you've got essentially five years worth of kids playing and with no professional golf to be had last year in terms of Q school or anything like that all the good players came back so it's been a fun year uh, it's been an exciting year but you see guys like Zach and Stage just dominating from our our team standpoint it's like that across the board so um, States is probably one of our higher ranked guys right now he's in the top 150 in the country Zach's obviously in the top 150 in the country They've had a great year. Um, State set out the fall season, but he came out and won his first one in the spring, and Zach's just been a rock star ever since we had him. So Now, when it comes to Zach, I think I may have read an article about him. Did he start golf later or something, or did he was he not on the team and then walked on later on, or was it another player that no, had that, him? No, that, that was him. So our first year, 2017-18 season, it's weird to go back that far because we've only finished two seasons since I've been here because of COVID. Mm -hmm. But our first year when I got here, we had five people on the roster. Well, you play five people. So you got to have more than five in case somebody gets hurt, gets sick. You got to have more than five. Like so, basketball. <laughs> exactly. You don't, you don't want to play a basketball game with five. Somebody fouls out, that's bad. Right. Um, we can get into that later, but we've had some foul outs the last 12 months that we've had to play with four, and it's not a good time. Um, I reached out to Will Mann when I got here. I knew we had a very nice PGM program. I'd been on campus about a week and I talked to Mr. Mann and he put me in touch with Gil Fagan and Matt Roberts and Paige Cribb. And I was like, guys, anybody you got that can play, we'll take them. Um, they suggested Morgan Deneen and Andrew Roy. And those guys were great. Not only were they very good players, but 
they were essentially my quote-unquote recruits and I was able to have some guys that we brought in that first year and we had a very nice year I mean this this program was in a bad spot when we got here um, which was good for me because it got me here but it was not in a great spot and those guys came out and they played they played well we had a nice year we won Sunbelt Championship Morgan actually won the Sunbelt Championship um, so that just kept me thinking hey there's there's gonna be guys on this campus that they've gotten a little older they're probably better than they were coming out of high school and let's check them out and that's what led us to Zach the following summer so he came on in the summer of 2018 and how old was he when he came on or what year was he He had just finished his third year oh, wow. of college so he had been out of competitive golf for three years his third year of college the PGM he pretty much won every tournament and I think a lot of that was he saw us give Morgan and Andrew a chance mm -hmm. and that motivated him to work hard whereas before nobody was giving those guys a chance and he was a good junior player we went back and researched him some he should have been playing somewhere the offers just weren't there the spots weren't there um, and he just kind of fell into our lap now is he on scholarship now uh, he has been on the last two years yes and that's good it's kind of like uh, like a Hunter Renfro kind of thing yep. you know Hunter yes. had offers then he goes to Clemson he decides to walk on and then later on obviously gets a scholarship so it is possible for that to happen with golf it is I mean it all depends on the place men's golf only allows four and a half scholarships per team that's across the board that's an NCAA oh, wow. rule so it's not like a basketball team where everybody gets everything paid for okay uh, so it's kind of a, a math game and things of that nature but yeah it's very possible I mean, we have the transfer portal just like every other sport so you can probably click on the portal right now and see 130 guys in there that's a lot of people wow um, yeah you know in this game people make decisions way too early uh, 13 year olds 14 year olds committing that's usually not going to work out I mean right. that, that's too young to make a decision that you need to be making from your 18 to 22 year old years exactly yeah that the early commits I yeah. could see that being an issue yeah. Coach, you got a pretty impressive resume. You were an assistant coach at University of Southern Mississippi, University of New Mexico, and then you came from the University of Oklahoma, and you won the NCAA championship in 2016-2017. That's, that's pretty cool. Tell us about the national championship. Well, that, that's always, I mean, that's the pinnacle of what we do, right? I mean, and I've you, seen your ring. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah it's, that's pretty nice. Yeah, I like to leave it on my desk, or sometimes when we talk and do big speeches, we'll take it, but we've also got a Sunbelt ring, and I take them both now, so that's cool. Um, and a Mountain West championship ring, which I don't know. I got. I need to put that one in the office, too. That's a cool ring. Um, the national championship is the pinnacle of what we do. I mean, how often can you say in your career you're actually going to get to do that? Now, I was an assistant, yes, but you're talking player, assistant, head coach, sports administrator, whoever. You know, that's the dream. Um, and it's a long week now. So we flew up to Chicago. It was an interesting year. We were a very good team. We were top 15 all year, but we, we only won twice in the regular season. We couldn't really put it all together. However, we had set the school record for individual wins in a year. Five, got, five wins with like three different guys winning. So we knew if things were timed up perfectly, we could do well. And it was just an awesome week. We got up to Ridge Harvest Farms. Uh, I think we blitzed everybody in the first round. The second round of stroke play, we were still on top. The third round, I think we were still on top, and then they cut to 15 after the third round because that's when TV starts covering live. And the fourth round, I think Vanderbilt crept ahead of us and finished number one seed for the stroke play by like two shots. And we got into match play, and we had, we had made match play the previous year for the first time in school history and got absolutely housed by Texas in the final eight. I mean, it was over by the eighth hole. That, that's how, I mean, they had guys five up, five up, five up. So our first go around of match play wasn't great. 
and we get to play Baylor in the first round, which is the final eight in 2017, and we're down in all five matches at the turn. So here we go, another early exit for the Sooners, and something just happened on the back nine. Man, it was it was incredible. We ended up sneaking past Baylor three and two, uh, played Illinois in the final four up in Chicago, and there's a huge OU um, booster club of Chicago. Illinois is obviously there. We had, I think it was 13,000 fans out for that match. Wow, that's awesome. So it wow. was very Ryder Cup-esque, and our guys just fed off of that, and we, we beat Illinois fairly easily. And then we get to the final match, and it's Oregon, the defending national champion. So who's been there? Who literally just did it the year before? And I don't want to say it was comfortable, but we got off to such a nice start that going down 10, 11, 12, you knew what was about to happen. And man, it was like one of the coolest days of my life. I mean, because we had all the families there, the boys, all the guys who didn't travel drove up from Norman the night before, drove like 16 hours overnight without <laughs> sleeping. Some of the girls' team came up. and. It was just a really cool week, and I mean, we still have a group text that's still going all the time. We got to take the team to the White House the following fall, wow. so it was something we all hope to achieve again. But it was just magical that it got to be a part of that. Cool. I, being an assistant, I'm kind of my experiences in the golf industry. Being an assistant golf professional, and then you finally get your own head coaching or head golf professional job. There's pretty much nothing, probably, as an assistant coach that you didn't do that helped you springboard to be a head coach right I mean it was nothing. right yeah I mean the assistant role is same thing in, in the golf business I mean the day-to-day -day, you know how to do everything you're tasked with a lot of the administrative stuff you have to do a lot of the NCA compliance stuff you know all the little things I'd say the difference is especially a place like New Mexico or Oklahoma if you need to go watch a kid recruiting you go it doesn't matter where it is you get sent out last minute you gotta go get on a plane and go um, I'd say the difference from a head coaching standpoint is the time request of people you need to talk to, things you need to do, places like, like you need this. to be. Like this, right? Yeah, exactly. We got you here. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, but that's also a fun thing. I mean, you're, you're out there building your brand, per se, of your program. I mean, I, I went back to move my stuff out of my place in Oklahoma after being here for two or three weeks, and I, I met up with Ryan. He goes, well, what do you think about it so far? I'm like, the phone never stops ringing. Yeah. So that's the difference is there's always somebody that needs something, and now you're the guy that has to make the decision. Yeah, the buck stops with right. you now. The coaching standpoint, nothing's different. Uh, the boys don't open up to you as much when you're the head coach as they do the assistant. Is the assistant, you're kind of the, the guy they call with personal problems or anything they need or stuff like that. So there's you're, a little you're bit. You're kind of like the mom. Yeah. The assistant, and then like the head coach right. is kind of like yeah, the dad. Yeah, you're, you're big brother and then your dad. <laughs> I mean, you're yeah. big brother and then your dad. So. The communication's a little different, but other than that, the coaching part's pretty much the same thing. So how much coaching slash teaching does a uh, Division One golf coach do? Not a lot of teaching. There's yeah. a lot of coaching, and what I mean by that is I'm 13 years into this business, and I've never had a player that can properly read a compass on a yardage book. And that, that yeah. sounds basic, right? You know, we, we get into golf instruction, because in my opinion, there's a difference between a golf or a swing instructor and a golf coach. I mean, I, we've got to talk guys through elevation changes, how to properly read the compass, the forecast things, and know where the wind's coming from, pin positions, proper positions. I mean, it's a completely different ball game. And we know the golf swing well. I mean, one of my best friends in the world, Scott Hamilton, who has 12 guys out on tour. So I have a good understanding of the golf swing, but I'm also the guy that doesn't get in the way of the swing instructor. I don't want to ruin that relationship. If you're teaching a guy, if you're teaching a guy, and they were able to get to my level, 
they know what they're doing physically. Now there's little things we can check them on and I, and I call you and I say, hey, here's what so-and-so is doing. What do you recommend when this happens? Here's what, because I see him on the course. Here's what he does under pressure on this type of hole, this type of win. And I like to keep that relationship open and working because that's only going to better the player. What do you think about uh, trackmen and the use of that? You know, when I was down at the DJ, you know, these kids are carrying trackmen. Right. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. At, at the high school level, what do you think about technology and the use of those type of tools? Technology has benefited the game, no doubt. I think from a physical standpoint, a ball hitting standpoint, it's the best the game's ever been. I think trackmen on the road when you see it, I know especially when we're using it most of the time, you're just getting carry numbers. You're trying to check your numbers instead of lasering it to say, okay, that pin on the range is so-and-so. They're wanting a definite number every time. Um, that's something we've tried to put in more at practice here because a lot of our guys had never really thought to do that before. They would get on track man and look at swing path and swing direction. Well, that's, that's great, but the benefit of track man is truly giving you an exact number of where that ball's going in a competitive standpoint. Now, if we were to sit in the hitting bay and we were just, you know, working on golf swings, then we're looking at the other mm -hmm. direction. So TrackMan's a huge benefit to everybody. Cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right, they all, they all had it. They did, I know, it's amazing, right? Those yeah. are like 30 grand. It's like these kids are really invested. Especially my car in the parking lot. Yeah, they're they're right. not cheap. No. <laughs> I mean, I know because we're about to up, update ours, it's not cheap. Yeah. Well, what's your, you know, coming to Myrtle Beach, you're in the golf capital of the world. Is it what you expected? Um, what are the pros and cons of being here in Myrtle Beach? As someone who grew up in a small town with a country club, coached in a small town with a country club, then went to two universities that had very nice university courses that you could control the tee times, it's different because I've never seen the golf business per se. Yeah. I understand the golf business because we still deal with the, the apparel people and all that and what we do, but it's from their tour department, not so much the retail side. Um, the pros, there's a thousand golf courses, right? You don't have to drive very far. <clears throat> no, I mean, yeah. we can go wherever we want. I mean, we can get any look we want. The cons, there's not really other than in the springtime, I'd say we narrow our course list down because it's so firm and fast in the tournaments we play, we kind of tend to stick to the courses that don't really oversee their greens. Um, so we probably go from 20 places in the fall to try to narrow down to a certain specific green surface in the spring, with the exception of if we need a look. Like we've been going out to Myrtlewood more lately because we need to see our guys shoot lower scores and get them comfortable being under par again. Um, I think Myrtlewood offers that us, us that opportunity. So. The biggest pro is our amount and style of golf courses. There's not really a con. Um, nobody really hassles us with getting on. The, one of the benefits here, a lot of the PGA professionals are coastal people. They love having us out. There's not really a downside to this place um, from a golf course point of view. Now your goals as a coach, um, I saw this post the other day on your Instagram, which by the way, you can go follow him. Is yours, is yours public? I think Instagram. it is. Okay, yeah, right. yeah I, I should have that. <laughs> I should ask you before this. Yeah, yeah you can go follow uh, Coach Garen on Instagram. But on, on one of your stories, I saw something about tickets. Are, are there tickets now to get on the course as spectators? Oh. Or what was that? There was something well, on there. One, one thing I, that a lot, COVID opened a lot of people's eyes to the college athletics business. And I got pretty upset last summer when I saw some friends lose their programs most notably Akron. Mm -hmm. 
And then Furman loses baseball. Um, Akron had lost men's golf. Furman lost baseball. Furman lost baseball. And I'm going, whoa, whoa, this, this, none of this actually makes sense because we all think that college sports is all revenue, quote unquote, revenue driven, football, basketball. I think we all understand that. But there's a financial benefit to the equivalency teams. Um, I mean, we, we talked about it earlier. <clears throat> men's golf has four and a half scholarships, so I have 13 guys on my team. Do the math, right? So one of the things that I've tried to make a point that I want to do with our tournament this year was how can we do revenue and show that we're a revenue-producing sport? Not that Coastal's given me a hard time. I mean, this is more for in general when I'm seeing my buddies lose their programs. Mm -hmm. So I took this on, and I'm like, we need, to we need to show that golf can produce for the university. Am I worried about our program here? I'm not, but I'm worried about I mean, we've got 299 men's Division I programs. I'm worried about 100 of those, really. Do I think 100 are going to get cut? No, but some will. And how do we do that? So we, we tried a badge, badge credential system this year, like you would get at a tour event, and they were awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, I might have some tournament staff ones left over. And I said, let's, let's do 500 of these, general admissions, members, and let's pre-sell the sponsorship. Okay, that, now we've sold out. And just see how many of these we can give out and keep a tally of how many people come. And it's just trying to change the paradigm a little bit of how people think about our sports. Okay, we, we, we showed that we could sell out. We had a hospitality area. We had Mr. Softy out there making ice cream. We had over 1,200 people in attendance for the week, if you're counting all four days. And I'm just trying to help the equivalency sports throughout all of college athletics, not just coastal, not just golf, but prove our value because the value is the kids getting the experience and getting the opportunities to do what they do. But from a business side of it, we need to prove our value to how people think about collegiate athletics. Right. It's not just a, oh, hey, I've got a cross-country team and we just lose this amount of money on them a year. That's not true. Those people bring value to you. And more than just the kids' experiences, there is a financial aspect to it. Right. right. So when it, how can we help? I mean, what can we do uh, to promote this here in our area? Because, I mean, we are in the golf capital of the world. Um, we have so many people visiting this area that maybe would like to get out and watch these guys play. What can we do as a community to help the program? I think the community's great. I mean, you look at our booster club and the success we've had with it so far. We started at zero dollars. Um, when you combine the Hackler and our general friends of golf program, we're going to be close to $500,000 raised since I've been here. Um, and believe me, we need every penny of that. Um, you look at what some of these schools spend on our sport, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, I know because I came from one. We did a $6.5 million project when I was at Oklahoma, and they didn't bat an eye at that. Well, Oklahoma football, Oklahoma basketball, long time, story tradition, we had it. Um, I think from a community standpoint, we just exploit what we have. We exploit the golf courses. We exploit what Dustin's doing out there, Sebastian, Zach just getting his getting his tour card last week. We support our guys and girls that have made it with the understanding of where they came from. Mm -hmm. um, we want people to come out and watch. Hopefully there's no COVID restrictions next year and we can have people lined on the fairways, That'd right? But in our, our program in general, we want people coming out to play in the Shauna Clear Open that I do every fall. I'm wearing the hat today. We want people to play in the College Amp for the Hackler and we want people to support our booster club, whether it's $20 or $1,000. Every dollar matters. Right. But 
I try to do it a little differently. We don't just go and ask because I don't think that's the proper way to do it. We want y'all to be around the boys and meet them because when you meet them and we get them out, people want to help them. Um, we do a lot of events throughout the year. In a normal year, we'll do a meet and greet with a team. We'll get up at a bar and grill somewhere and have a Q&A with a team. The Chanticleer Open, we started that two years ago. That's a really fun and cool deal. The boys are out on the course hitting shots for every single group. The cheerleaders come out. Next year, we're going to tie in the lacrosse team. Just exposing people to what we have here. Right. Um, and from a community standpoint, you know, I want everybody to support Coastal because I want to do what baseball did. I wasn't here when baseball won the national championship. I can only imagine how cool it was to be here because it's your local team. If you Even if you didn't go to school here, it is your local team. Um, and we want to get to that level. And it's more of just understanding of, yes, we have all the golf courses. That's a big selling point. We probably have more than anybody outside of the LA schools or the Dallas schools. But we don't have a lot of what they have. And it's spreading that message and letting people know truly what that is. Well, Coach, you're definitely going the right direction because since you've been here in 2018, you've moved up 43 spots nationally for Coastal Carolina. You were the 2018 Sunbelt Coach of the Year, so things you're doing are really paying off for the program. So yeah, all good stuff. I love it. I hate the fact that the 2019 team didn't get – or, excuse me, the 2020 team didn't get to finish the season because we were so young last year. So it's just weird saying this is year four, but we've really only had two full ones. So – I love the direction of the program. We won conference the first year, got back to NCAAs. That 2019 team was, I think, the sixth or seventh best team Coastal's ever had from a national ranking standpoint. And this team this year, we've already finished in the top five four times. We've got a win, and we got our butts kicked twice. But we went out, we played the two best fields of the year. Uh, we went to Merido and Dallas in the fall with State sitting out. And of the 12 teams, I think eight of those are still ranked in the top ten. Uh, we went down to Florida a couple of weeks ago and just got beat up again. We had to play four-legged, unfortunately, because we had a kid break his glasses on the fifth hole of the tournament, and um, he can't see. Oh, geez. Um, but we played, like, 15 top 25 teams down there. So that was a positive thing about this week with the Hackler was like, hey, we finally – we've had a nice year. We've had a win, some great finishes, but we finally beat some good teams when it mattered. Um, so I like the direction. And we talked about it earlier, younger team, you've got some young players, so it's looking good for the future. Yeah, I mean, outside, we lose States and Zach, and that's it. Now, those are our top two guys, but and guys step up every year. I'm, I'm not worried about – yes, you don't want to lose your two best players right. ever. We don't want to lose these two for what they meant for the program and how far they've brought it up since we've been here. But guys get better. They step up. They, they see what Zach and States are doing, and they want to do that too. Do you think those guys could be the next Dustin Johnson? I think, in, well, it's hard to say that with the best player in the world. You know, it, it's Zach's the best one I've had in a while. I've got eight guys, no, eight guys playing at the Corn Ferry Tour of Hire that I've coached. I've got a guy, I think he's ranked 28th in the world in Victor Perez, Gavin Green with full status on European, and then Michael Gellerman, who's full status on the PGA Tour, and a whole bunch of guys on the Corn Ferry. Well, all those guys were very, very good college players. Zach is a very, very good college player, but it's hard to get to number one. You know, when you look at what Tiger did, Rory didn't play in college, but you look at what Tiger did and what Dustin did, those guys won a lot. They won a lot of tournaments. Zach's shattered Dustin's scoring records. I mean, he's way ahead of him in the record books as far as wow. scoring averages, top 10 finishes and all that, but Dustin won like seven or eight times. So it's hard to say the next Dustin because we don't have 
I mean, as good as Zach's been, I think realistically, PGA Tour, a high-level player competing in majors, is in this kid's future. But it's hard to predict number one. Right. What sets a player from being great from the greatest? Like, what's that leading edge? What What sets them apart? No, that Dustin has no fear. Tiger had no fear. I think a lot of when you look at the PGA Tour now, 30s old. When we were all growing up, 30 was you didn't really get there until you were 30. 30's old now. If you're not out there by 30, you're wasting your time. I mean, these kids are coming out and winning right away. You were at, um, last time we had NCAA postseason, I know y'all were both down there. Colin Morikawa finished 14th. He lost by 12 shots at the TPC Regional. He's won a major and a WGC already. Yeah, it's amazing. Wow. Matthew Wolf's the defending national champion. He's already won on the PGA Tour. So. That's crazy to think that the last time we had a college season, these guys got majors and tour wins, but that's how young the game's gotten. And they don't, they're not scared of anything anymore. There is literally no fear. And I talk to this every time I go back home and meet with Scott Hamilton and about these 12 or so guys he's got out on the tour. And, you know, his guys are getting a little older and he, he's going to try to allow me to, who's the younger ones? And he's like, they're just not scared of anything. They're, they're not. I'm like, no, and Tiger changed that. And Dustin's the same way. I don't think he's scared of anything on the golf course. It's a mindset thing. How do you get the mindset? Like, what would you as a coach say to your players? Like, how do you get that mental perspective of not being fearful? It's just being an athlete. I mean, I think we've all met Dustin. We all know what he looks like. We all know what he could probably do in another sport. Tiger changed that game as well. Um, they don't look like me out there anymore. You know, they don't. They're, they're athletes and they're built to win. I mean, that's they wake up every day trying to win. I mean, from the workouts, from the from the nutrition, from everything they do, it's just to compete and win. And it's it's just turned into an athletic sport. And I think it's that alone is the mindset. Right. Yeah. I mean, just seeing those kids at, in the high school level at the DJ World Junior, right. they just stand up to the tee, and there's no fear. No. And it's like me when I was playing high school golf. It's like if there's eight people on the first tee, it's like I've got the jitters. It's like it's, these kids are like. Amazing. You know, we have a rule within our team of if the golf broadcast is on, if Jim Nance isn't talking, don't listen. And that is nothing, or whoever's doing the NBC, that is nothing negative against Paul Azinger, Nick Faldo, any of those guys. But if you do listen to Azinger more so than Faldo, it's like, well, you're scared here, you're nervous here, this is when you're going to miss it. That's not how these guys think anymore. Yes, they did think that way, but Tiger changed that mindset. It's not an accident that he ran all those type of players off the tour. He he wasn't scared of failure, I guess you mm -hmm. could say. Like you can't you can't be fearful of the outcome. Only one guy's going to win every week out of 156. So your job's to go try to win it, not be scared to win it. And Tiger changed that mindset. I mean, Tiger's the reason behind all these guys. That's amazing. Yeah, it really is. I mean, he totally has changed the game. When it comes to media and your, like you mentioned, your uh, players listening to, you know, different broadcasters and whatnot, uh, we went up to University of Kentucky because one of our sons plays basketball and worked with Coach Callie Perry. And so my husband and my son were with Coach Callie Perry in the locker room with some other players. And he has in his locker room, uh, don't drink the poison. That's what he has written really big. So right. Don't drink the poison. And my husband's like, all right, what's, what does that mean? 
And he was saying, don't, like, what he does with his players is he tries to, don't even listen to the news, don't get involved with it, just ignore it, stay focused on playing basketball. That's it. So is that kind of like yeah, how that is for being a coach? The media attention in an individual sport, you need. Uh, whenever the Any Given Tuesday guys or Golf Week or any of those people, Golf Channel, whenever they want to interview our guys, 100% go do it because you're still trying to build their brand for when they turn professional. You need to do that in our sport. But you do need to know how to block out the bad stuff. I mean, Calipari's right on, right on track with that. You know, it's interesting to see that program kind of fall now because he's gone to more of the one-and-done kind of time-like work. You know, my mindset is if I'm coaching basketball or golf, we should get old and stay old. You look at the teams that are successful in golf and in basketball, it's not the one with all the freshman all-stars. You know, I, the AAU circuit in basketball, the AJGA kind of all-American circuit in golf, they're, that's, that's a business. Mm-hmm. They need to make you successful to keep their business going. Right. So when a guy um, – and I'm speaking in terms of guys' game because I don't coach the women. But when you come out and you do well in, in the AJJ per se at a young age, 13, 14, 15, well, they're setting those golf courses up for you to succeed. And there's not a lot of challenge. Right. And then you get to the collegiate level, and now the golf courses are harder. Now the setups are harder. Now you're playing in the worst times of the year to play. It's harder. You know, so there is – don't drink the poison of thinking just because you were a top 15 junior player that you're going to be a top 15 collegiate player right away. I mean, we were talking about this kid earlier, the kid that just won our tournament, the Hackler, I mean, against a very good field, is now ranked fifth in the country. He's a freshman from the state of Florida that never left Florida. He wasn't on any of those All-American teams. So basketball is very similar in that mindset to where if you were the best AAU player, were you really? Or were you just on the circuit that exposed your brand the most right. so that's it, a really good point right I mean are you yeah. truly the best yeah, or were you just one of the ones that was lucky enough to get into the little tour they had going right and that's the hard part um, and I think that's what my boss at Oklahoma did more beautiful beautifully than anybody um, and why they're still the premier program out there is he will go after those type of guys but he will not he won't take the best player in the world if he doesn't fit his program Mm-hmm. And he did that beautifully. And to whereas in, in Kentucky basketball, you know, Cal's still getting that guy. Maybe he changes how he recruits. I don't know. Um, but that's I can't a, believe they're not they're not in uh, they're not playing. It's a it, I, it's yeah. like it's shocking yeah. to not see UK up there. And they're definitely out, they're definitely one of the most talented teams. Yeah. But again, it's there's a big difference in 18 years old and 22 years old. There's a huge difference. You, you see it. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, me and you live through it. There's a big difference. Yeah. Um, that's part of the fun part of this job. Yeah, well, speaking of uh, being 22, so if you're having some players stay on an extra year, what do they do academically? Do they just get a master's? Or how does that work for academics fifth year? I'm just curious. I think, I think it depends on the, the caliber of student. Um, Zach knows he's going to play golf. That's what he wants to do. He's got his tour card. So he took classes, undergraduate classes, again, that he's interested in. Mm-hmm. He's already got his degree. So he just took a bunch of classes this year that he finds interesting. States, we <laughs> hope cool. we hope States plays golf. He's certainly good enough to give it a shot, but he's also a 4.0 guy that's brilliant. And literally, I would hire the guy to do my accounting and financial stuff whenever he graduates. Like, he's that sharp. <laughs> so, you know, we focused his more on, hey, you may not finish grad school right away because you're going to play golf, 
but let's go ahead and start this this financial accounting's master's programs because that's what you're good at it's the caliber of student if they're going to take the extra year you got to benefit them for the future if it's a not great student and he wants the extra year let's just let's go back and take some classes you like right yeah all right well um this has been awesome let's end on this note where do you see yourself as a coach in 10 years i hope winning a lot <laughs> um coastal is a cool place um we have the opportunity to be really good here you know there's some things we need in order to compete that my main job is getting those things um like i said we have the golf courses uh, we're starting to get the support of the community but we got a long way to go and it's always trying to keep up with somebody right are we ever going to have the money georgia has absolutely not so we have to do things differently and get things that the georgias don't have mm -hmm. Um, so it's just trying to get to that level. I mean, we're, we're going to be sitting on the bubble for the NCAAs again this year. That's cool because you're on the bubble, you got a chance to get in, but I, I'd rather not be on the bubble. Yeah. I'd rather be firmly in. Mm -hmm. So just getting to where you know, we're trying to compete for the big trophy every year instead of just just trying to get there. Right, of course. you got to win. Yep. You're here to win, too. Yep. Yeah. All right, so um, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on the show. And how can we as a community help? Well, we can uh, – play in the uh, Chanticleer Open in the fall, uh, get out there um, as, you know, as these restrictions are lifted and be spectators. Donate too, right? Yeah, that's it. You can always donate. Yeah. Yes, you can right. always just give. Even if it's $20 that's the best. to the program, you can yeah. just go online, give to that program. How can people do that? Uh, there's a direct link to our website on goccusports.com. Click on the men's golf link, and when you go to men's golf, you'll see a little header up top right says donate to the men's golf program. And it's cool because you get, then you get on an email list and you start to get little things. And I had one of the nicest guys I've ever met in the world here. Just, Coach, I want to help, but I, I just don't have much money. I mean, I would give you 20 bucks, and it, but it's not going to do anything. I said 20 bucks buys a dinner for a kid on the road. Yeah. And when you think about it that way, he has positively impacted our team. And that, that means a lot. You know, and nobody – look – this has been a tough year for everybody financially. We get that. Like, we get people can't give like in a normal year, but just come out and watch them. You know, our, our practices, wherever we are, are open to the public. You can't get too close to them right now because of COVID, but if we're out there at one of your golf courses and you see us, just come watch. Come meet them. They love having people watch them. That mean, that We played great this week because we had so many fans out there watching us. They like that kind of stuff. All right. Well, do you have a schedule, too, on online? The schedule is online. Same okay. website. All right, so um, you gotta go. We gotta get out there. We gotta watch Definitely. these kids play. Yeah, and I like the idea of even practices too, because uh, you could probably learn a lot. Just if you wanna learn a lot about the golf swing, go watch these kids. Because yeah. when I was watching them at Myrtlewood, they just, they've got some beautiful swings too. All right, so donate money. Buy <laughs> one of these guys dinner, $20. I'm gonna challenge our listeners to, do that. to go on the website. Make sure you click on the golf program. Make sure it's the men's golf and uh, buy someone dinner. I like that. Cool. I'll go do it. Yeah. I'll do it too. Yeah, we'll, Coach, we'll, thanks for we'll coming buy, on. Yeah, we'll, we'll buy the kids uh, a meal. That sounds good. All right, well, thanks for coming on the show. And um, as always, uh, go Shots. Awesome. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks.